Welcome to the Food Professor Podcast, Season 4, Episode 2. I'm Michael LeBlanc. And I'm the Food Professor, Sylvain Chalabois. Our very special guest on this episode is Greg Corrin, President and CEO at Novagevity, an ag tech entrepreneur, 20-year history of breakthrough thinking, uh, now focused on the intersection of health, tech, and agriculture. It's a fascinating discussion. Oh, yeah. Um, I could, you know, as I say in the interview, I couldn't have imagined a better start to the year for a whole bunch of reasons. Now, did you know uh, Greg, or you'd met Greg before? You're both Haligonians uh, or in yeah. Nova Yeah, I mean, he's well-known. Greg is well-known. Everyone knows Greg, and so I was so happy that he accepted our invitation to come on our podcast. In fact, I think we should have actually invited him like way earlier, not mm-hmm. in season four, but uh, he's a leader. He's a, he's a visionary. He's, he's the brains behind uh, Good Leaf, True Leaf, uh, which has now become a, a, a really exciting business uh, yeah. with facilities in, uh, in Montreal, Guelph, and, and Calgary. So uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's just great. So uh, he's, I'm happy that uh, we've had a chance to chat with him. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, speaking of Good Leaf or True Leaf, the, the brand's Good Leaf. I mean, that's uh, you, we interviewed the president in uh, season three or season two. Yep. And uh, that product's in my kitchen now and my mother's kitchen every single day. So I get a lot out of this podcast, but one of the things is these ideas. And he, he mentions a product that I'm going to go buy tomorrow. So That's anyway. right. Novagevity, I think, is going to be a new supplier of yours now. <laughs> and, and frankly, I think I'm going to start buying some of that product, too. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the uh, to the news and to the, the podcast. Some of the what we'll talk about this episode is kind of a touch base of where we were before. So let's start with, uh, I don't know, what do we call it? The cost of grocery meetings. Uh, with cost the, of living. Cost series. of living. The cost, cost of, of living, living summit. Cost of Living <laughs> Summit. So we had, uh, it feels to me like the second Ghostbuster movie. You know, a similar script, not so much excitement. Some of the big actors too busy to show up or missing. Um, you know, were you involved in this second round of meetings? Just for the listener, this is where the uh, the grocers had their day, the five top grocers in the country. Yep. And then the next one was to be uh, bringing in, and it's a big amorphous group. I don't know. You know, it's one thing to say the top five grocers. Another thing, thing to say the top five grocery suppliers that's a, yep. a a weird list but uh tell us what you know of it or how w- w- you're involved and you know are we expecting some turkey discounts and pumpkin discounts for halloween to hit the deadline anyway who knows yeah so absolutely. many so many questions but tell us what you know yeah so i mean last year i was in ottawa and i i did uh, i did brief the minister and i did actually uh, emphasize the fact that perhaps he needs to talk to manufacturers, uh, which he's doing. I'm not involved in those talks at all. And frankly, I would have been surprised if I would have been involved. I know Michael Graydon himself, uh, who's been on our podcast before, was there in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. And Spe- I was happy speaking about Speaking on that. behalf, and, and so for the listeners who don't know, he, Michael represents the association that, the, that, um, uh, that represents manufacturers in this country, just like Dan yeah. Griesbaugh represents... Uh, as an association that represents retailers, that's right. Yeah. And so, Deanne no, why would, was why actually. Would you, wait a minute. Well, De- why would you be surprised that you wouldn't be there? Because it's a, it's the same issue. But you know, you're not. You're as much an expert on grocery as you are the people who supply the grocery. No. I was a bit surprised because RCC was not invited at the to the Big Five meeting, but Michael Graydon was invited mm-hmm. <laughs> at the manufacturing meeting. So I was a little bit surprised, to be honest. Uh, I think RCC should have been there because uh, yeah. they do represent the industry uh, the, as a whole. But anyway, I, I can see why Michael would be there, uh, Michael Graydon, because there's thousands, literally, of suppliers, and he, oh, yeah. he represents 
them all were. The big five were all there. So I, I, I kind of get it a little bit. I don't know why not. But anyway, that that's how it kind of makes sense in my head a little bit. But I mean, last week, I, I think the big five was uh, played into this photo op. I think that's really what it was all about, really. The minister wanted a photo op, and uh, he got it. And then, But then the Indian affair actually took over, and uh, it overshadowed mm. everything else. And of course, uh, we now know uh, with what happened on Friday last week uh, in Parliament, it overshadowed uh, what was going on in Ottawa on Monday and uh, and Tuesday. But still, meetings occurred. Uh, they have until next week to present a plan. My guess is that there there's there's not going to be like windfall taxes or uh, or uh, any sort of uh, policies or measures to uh, to set prices in certain ways. I, I'd be very shocked. I I, I hope I'm right. Uh, I'd be shocked. I think that I think that at the end of the day, they'll be focusing on quick wins, low hanging fruits that actually are quite visible, populous. Like the shrinkflation issue, I think is a big one. Uh, it would be an easy one to do to follow Carrefour's footstep. I, I know that the minister is. Uh, is uh, inspired by what ha- what is going on at Carrefour, and and what they did basically was to to uh, target 26 products uh, which have been shrinkflated last year, and uh, and they're actually shaming suppliers, which I don't think is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, what what is that? You know, I, I agree. Um, what did you describe it as in the, our last episode that the minister had a bit of a stick where if he was not happy with the outcome of the meetings of the proposals and. You know, I'm not sure what it accomplishes putting up signs in grocery stores saying you're not getting great. But value it's visible. It's visible. People will see it. They will see action. Uh, remember, they, they're looking for quick action, mm. uh, things that are easy to implement. Um, bringing down prices is not an easy thing to do. I mean, grocers are trying to offer people a good deal. Uh, they can because, I don't know, Ukraine, uh, COVID, supply chains, climate change. I mean, there are a lot of things that they just can't control. I mean, this is a worldwide problem. Canada still has one of the lowest food inflation rates in the world, but the Canadian government has committed itself uh, to uh, do something about inflation. So they have to do something. And even though signs at the grocery store won't do any, won't make much of a difference, it will probably make a difference to a lot of voters because they'll see, oh, there you go. Ottawa mm. did something about shrinkflation. Yeah. That's, I think that's the game here. It's all, yeah, about, yeah. it's all about artifacts yeah. and not much about actually trying to influence prices. You know, it's interesting, as you say, the political news cycle, uh, unusually distorted in the past couple of weeks, was just bad, oh luck. My God. bad luck for the minister and, and bad luck for us uh, for a whole variety of reasons. I mean, I, I feel bad for Mr. Champagne, to be honest, because he was looking for, you know, some noise, some photo ops. And mm. I mean, in one week, you had two major events yeah, affecting yeah. Parliament. Yeah, uh, suddenly, yeah, yeah. Suddenly yeah. they're back on their heels. But yeah. Um, Again, it's funny. I keep saying this well beyond the scope, but it's still of this podcast, but it still influences what you and I talk about. Well, let's hope that there's something substantive come from. He seems like as a minister, a substantive minister, like he's, uh, you know, you you met and work with him. He seems like a. a, Don't forget about the shrinkflation issue. It's not just about signs and shaming people. It's also about private labels. Let's talk about private labels. Private labels have been shrinkflated too. And the snack tax. Come on. Talk about the, the snack tax. Like the what, government should do its part. Right now, you have so many products 
they've shrunk so much, they're now becoming snacks, and snacks are taxable at retail. You have ice creams, granola bars. Uh, there are there are 25 different products just this year. They've actually their quantities have been reduced so much. They're now they're now they're now snacks, uh, and snacks are taxed. A snack. Oh yeah, we had that on on uh, in season three. What was it? Ice cream. That got yeah. double dinged, right? That it 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 got snacked. And people don't oh. see that. They don't see that. That money goes. They don't go to grocers. They go to the government. Let's have a conversation about that. So right. if Ottawa is serious at committing in in doing something about shrink inflation, they should look at uh, at fiscal policies as well. Well, I mean, there is precedent for it. They did uh, something with GST to spur housing starts. Uh, exactly. So- there you go. You got something to work with in, there. In a okay. nanosecond. All right. They actually got rid of the GST on new bills for rentals overnight. Why and not do that for food? All right, Minister Champagne, if you're listening, there's your idea. Just mark it down. Uh, call Quick us win. Any, call Quick us anytime. Win. Just keep listening to the podcast and exactly. uh, you'll get the solutions. <laughs> uh, obviously, we're going to be talking more about this, but let's move on to the Bank of Canada last week. Uh, a bit of Twitter action back and forth about uh, show your work. Uh, they claimed uh, the show bank claimed the money. Show me the money. One five percent of inflation was due to the carbon tax. You asked them to show your work. It looks like they did. What do you grade their process as? Give it a grade, Professor. Uh, a grade about what? Transparency or about the work? About the, let, let's, let's talk about the work because I did get back. Well, okay, you can grade whatever you want. You're the professor, but. Um, I'm kind of curious about the work. Did you? What did you think of it? I so I would give it a D minus, uh, to be honest, because um, for two reasons. One, I, I think they actually did what they could. Uh, that would actually uh, be based on logic, and so they basically look at three components of the CPI: so natural gas. Uh, eating oil and gasoline. That's that's it. They're not looking at other components. And on top of that, they're not looking at how the tax um, is compounded throughout the supply chain. Because obviously, mm. I mean, look at the food industry. I mean, when farmers pay a tax, when processors pay a tax, when truckers pay a tax, eventually it will impact industrial prices. So the Bank of Canada didn't look at that. And I know why they didn't look at that. It's complicated so I think what happened is that the isn't that in their job description to figure out complicated things though? Lots of PhDs at the Bank of Canada. So I think they basically work. I know some of them. They're smart people. I know they are. I would say that they basically work with the data they had. Uh, our lab, we're working on the carbon tax. We know it's complicated, and that's why I asked the question. What's shocking, to be honest, Michael, is that why didn't anyone else ask the same question? <laughs> Like seriously, where's oh, media? The, you owe oh, the burden of you. You're they they like well, Savannah. Last I mean, I just asked a simple question, and, and I got an answer. And I think, I think they knew I was actually going to take the email, the yeah. response from Bank of Canada, and put it on Twitter X. Yeah, well, listen, and since this morning, it's been a gone show. Uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone is reacting to the explanation. They're going, "Is that it? That's okay, all no. it is." Yeah. It's underestimated. Of course, it's underestimated. So I do question why the government actually came out with a coefficient in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. why would you do that if really uh, it 
the, the coefficient itself is a, a, a severe underestimation of how the carbon tax is influencing inflation. Well, yeah. uh, listen, uh, you know, we've got the podcast, so maybe we'll invite some folks in the Bank of Canada on and uh, have them. That's a good them. idea. Um, let's talk about Stats Canada. They put out a new report uh, today, literally. Uh, we're talking yeah. on Wednesday about the population. Surprise, surprise in that report. Now, what wasn't a surprise is how accelerated our population has grown past the 40 Boom. million. Yeah. Um, what was a bit of a surprise to me, and I think everyone was that um, it, the thinking was there is a lot of student numbers in there, student yeah. visas, but it turns out temporary foreign workers were the prime driver of the temporary resident population. 1.4 million temporary foreign yeah. workers, an increase of 64% from last year. We had this discussion last episode around our qualms around importing cheap non-union labor as uh, yep. you'll be talking to some union folks today so what, what do we what do we make of this is that an exclamation point in our discussion or i guess it's just a better understanding of the numbers which is good right? I, yeah no i think so absolutely what's really um what's really interesting i think if you look at the our population growth i mean things are steady uh, our population is growing but look at retail sales food retail sales are still dropping uh, so StatsCan actually came out with uh, retail sales data last Friday. And if you look at grocery stores, if you look at food retail, it's steadily dropping. People are spending less at the grocery store because of mortgage rates, because of rents. We all know that. So people are more frugal and the population growing is growing. So some, I think the situation when, when it comes to nutritional compromise – I actually think the situation is pretty darn bad, given the fact that our population is growing. Well, you, and you have some numbers from that. Uh, the Food Bank's Canada report, uh, nearly 7 million Canadians struggling to put food on the table. Tell me what you read in the report. Yeah, the report was interesting, a bit subjective, to be honest, because they actually looked at policy and they looked at when policy changed. They didn't look at the, the efficacy of, of, of policies in general and programs that were mm. set forth. And so that's one thing. But generally speaking, when you look at the assessment of all 10 provinces, uh, I tend to agree. I actually live, according to Food Banks Canada, in the worst uh, province. Uh, Nova Scotia got an F. Really? An F. And the best grade was given to Quebec. Uh, I don't know about that. Like, I, you, you had Quebec at B minus, and then everyone else was actually, I think there was one C, which was British Columbia, and everyone else was were Ds. So... Um, but I mean, it's an interesting read. But it, it, I, I think the methodology was not overly sophisticated. To be honest with you, it's, it was really about sending out a message about think, think about your children, think about you know how to end poverty, and th which is really what the Food Banks of Canada uh, is all about. I mean, that's the whole idea sure. of the lobby group sure. is to actually end poverty uh as quickly as possible so so they i think they did a good job they actually were out there yesterday advocating for for new programs and uh, but it did actually shame a few provinces including uh including nova scotia now you're on the board remind me you're on the board of uh which second harvest second harvest i saw yes. them in the news why did i see them in the news i think arlene dickinson is coming on as an advisor or something anyway, an ambassador an ambassador yeah. that's right um, 
Yeah, that's right. a great gra- – I mean, Lori Nickel, uh, she actually was uh, – she was on our podcast, I think it yeah. was two years ago. She's dynamite. I mean, mm-hmm. she's just amazing. And the leadership that she provides uh, to Second Harvest is second to none. And so I- I'm really proud to be on the board. And, uh, in fact, we have a board meeting tomorrow night, so I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let's take a uh, break now for the news. Let's get to our amazing guests, uh, Greg Corrin, President CEO of Novajevity. Uh, ag tech entrepreneur. It's a great interview. Have Excellent. Well, we have a special guest today joining us. It's uh, Greg Kerwin, uh, President and CEO of Novajevity. Uh, I've known Greg for a while, so I've been at, uh, at Dow for eight years now, and uh, his name is familiar to a, to a lot of people in the community. Uh, he's He actually started a company, uh, you may know Michael called uh, Goodleaf, based out of Guelph. We Love interviewed Goodleaf. Goodleaf. Love uh, I think it was last year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so Ch- it changed my grandma. Yeah. It changed my mother's life because we started buying Goodleaf microgreens, which solved oh, yeah. from that interview, which you know solved an incredibly gnarly problem. So I have a very yeah. soft place in my heart for um, Goodleaf. So the, the the brains behind Trueleaf slash Goodleaf is is Greg Curran. So I'm so happy to have uh, Greg joining us today. Welcome to the podcast, Greg. Thank you, thank you, Sylvain, Michael, very much for for inviting me, and it's a pleasure to be here to participate. So you're you're a leader in the ag tech world for sure. Your name always bounces around. Uh, you're mentioned a lot, but now you're uh, you're in healthcare, I guess. Uh, you're in between agriculture and healthcare. So tell us uh, tell us more about your journey into ag tech in general, and uh, what's your role uh, at uh, Novajevity. Mm. Well, it, it's a it's a journey that's unconventional, but not. Um, uh, I've been an entrepreneur my whole professional career. I guess this is my fourth decade doing startups. Uh, I spent my first twenty in what I call traditional healthcare, uh, medical device company clinics, um, and immersed myself in hospitals and and hospital design and healthcare design. So I was always very uh, curious and and saw you know what was good and bad about that. So then. I kind of got out of that uh, section of the world uh, because I kind of became quite um, disgruntled because really you, you, you couldn't change anything. I'm driven by social change. I'm driven by, uh, you know, economics, but also social change. And in my world back then, I really couldn't affect anything. And that's still the same today with traditional healthcare. So I saw a picture of a vertical farm out of Japan. Oh, God, we're going back quite a while now. And that was struck, what, what twenty years ago or something? Uh, Sylvain, I think I'm going to go at least fifteen to sixteen, and it just stuck stuck with me. And I thought, well, this is, and I didn't think about it as a way to to you know change farming per se. I thought as a way to change healthcare in the sense that, boy, if I could if I could create a model like this in Canada and create nutritious food um, as close to the population as possible. Even back then, Sylvan and Michael, it wasn't so much save the environment as it was like, holy cow, these can grow medicines. These farms can grow phytochemicals uh, mm. and, and really, you know, perhaps ingredients. So that, it just, it didn't leave my brain. So I um, got out of everything traditional healthcare At the time, my mother was um, uh, very ill with leukemia, and, and I kind of took some time to hang out with her. But really double down on the design of indoor vertical farming. And really it was wasn't in Canada. And back then there was maybe one or two other players in the state. So fast forward, 
um, that became uh, quite a commitment. Um, and uh, as you probably know, um, that led me to understand more about ag tech. And it led me to understand the complexity of farming and food. But my whole passion was about why isn't nutrition in mainstream healthcare? And and it seems logical, but it's actually illogical in the sense of when you look in, I know you both gentlemen would be close to that. And, you know, and, and so for me, it was always like when you looked at a disease, I'm like, okay, every time we talked about primarily a chronic disease, the word diet became uh, in a clinical paper, Sylvan, you know, you as a PhD yeah. understand that, but I, but I didn't see it happening. I didn't see the action in society. I didn't see the doctors. I didn't see the nurses. I didn't see the hospitals understanding nutrition. So that led me to create True Leaf. Uh, mm-hmm. Fast forward, McCain Foods, as you know, um, took a shine to it. Um, they, uh, you know, they've been kind of trying to figure it out the last few years. I retired. I, I was quite. Um, burnt out actually at the time to uh, I was living in Toronto I didn't see my family I think it was time to turn over the reins and I you know it was the right thing to do but uh, but that legacy that legacy man I, I think is the future I mean what you left behind is uh, it's yeah. just amazing I actually toured the Guelph facility a few months oh, you ago did? Yeah. oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. so you impressive know what? we know what so what what's not talked about a lot is um that was a group of us from Nova Scotia that that really worked our tail off. You know, there was five of us every day drove to Truro because our lab was there, and and you know what? That's like the commute up back and Bible forth. Hill, yeah. And you know, if you look at the foundation of Goodleaf Truly today, it was what the work we did in Nova Scotia, and it still holds true as they expand into Calgary and Montreal. So you know, I'm very very proud of what we've accomplished. Not just us, but ACOA was strategic. Uh, back then, Sylvan was the agricultural campus of, of, of yep. Nova Scotia. Uh, it was NRCIRAP. Um, it was a group of strategic investors that believed in us. And, you know, it's pretty cool when I travel the country and see what Goodleaf is doing. And it's and so now, you know, it's about realizing that dream of, of, of nutrition and, and healthcare. So I retired for all of two months. And so then when you look at. <laughs> so well, you, I, you're I, a great entrepreneur, but you're, you're not very good at one thing. No, no. Well, <laughs> this this is the uh, Novagevity. I think is my eighth or seventh startup. And is uh, it? Wow. Yeah, mo- most have been. I started my first one so then when I was twenty three, and now I'm fifty seven. So there you go. And yeah. um, so, what's the logic behind uh, Novagevity? I mean, yeah. What's, well, what's I guess the- sorry. In a long way, it was it was accumulation of my life experience. So. Uh, my colleague and co-founder, Dr. Mary Lynch, who's you know was a pain specialist at the Q at, at QE or now Nova Scotia Health, she called me and said, "Greg, I heard you retired. I want to talk to you about an idea." And I said, "Mary, I am kind of just looking forward to maybe taking a break." And my wife and I had visions of traveling. This is just briefly before COVID. So I met with her, and I quickly got it because I sat on food panels at Capital Health and. You know, I was probably the main person responsible for getting rid of the deep fryers at Capital Health was my kind of claim to fame. But <laughs> and, and so Mary, Mary was adamant when I met her and pounding her fist on the table. She just came from seeing a patient and she just said, I cannot give my patients any more what they're giving, you know, patients. In this case, it was the incumbent. The incumbent now is boost and insure and and not you know, bad mouthing them, but their their ingredients isn't exactly what you would probably want if you were in a state of healing in a hospital. 
So fast forward to me, it was it, it was a quick light bulb. And the beauty of it is, is at the time I was entrepreneur in residence at St. Mary's. And so I said to the the, 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 the students, I said, let's in, instead of talking about entrepreneurship, let's do it. So we started Novagevity really um, with a group of students. So it's huh. accumulation of understanding ag tech. It's accumulation of really understanding the need. I'm just curious, Greg, uh, sorry to interrupt. At St. Mary's, which, uh, what students, like from what program? So my role there at the time, and what's the most fun I've ever had in my life, by the way, because I, I really, you know, I, I wasn't really working. Um, I'm, I'm involved in a bunch of other startups kind of as an investor advisor. But um, I had an office at the Entrepreneurship Center, and basically I kept my door open. So any and I was there every Wednesday, but the joke inside was I was there also Thursday and Tuesdays because I just loved it. Um, so any student <laughs> with an entrepreneurial idea would come into my office and we would sit and chat. These kids were from all over the world. And, wow. and you know, I shared with them my own experiences, uh, you know, the mistakes. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, Sylvain and Michael, to look at and talk to young people today about entrepreneurship because it is glorified. But with me, they were getting the the non glorified in the sense that it, it's it's not for the faint of heart. It's glorified at universities, but in the real world, it's the real world. <laughs> well, and so then it's interesting, you know. If you saw Peter Morier, I think posted something this week or last week that you know entrepreneurship is down in Atlantic Canada, but yet so then at the academic institutions, we're we're quote unquote teaching it more, and so I find that fascinating. I I. I I don't necessarily think you can teach it. Um, I think it's an accumulation of kind of I agree. and life experience. Yeah. So that so so then that's how we kind of landed at Novagevity. Is like okay, well let's let's create a medical nutrition company. Let's take nutrition and try and introduce it to mainstream healthcare to become a tool about disease reversal and avoidance. And I think we've done a darn good job on that today. And are you selling a service, a widget? If it is a widget, what? What, yeah, no, we do? the first product is a is a is a is a tetra pack of a, a plant-based, medically formulated, uh complete meal nutrition drink, um, non-dairy, non-GMO, non-allergenic, vegan-free, organic. Uh we worked the the beauty of it is is that we we worked with a couple of the really good folks of nutrition at Nova Scotia Health. We worked with a couple of really good medical specialists. And it was all exploratory because it really wasn't done before. And lo and behold, we initially designed the first shake really to address digestive issues, which you would be shocked to know that that's not a small issue with patients in the country, all, all ages, whether it's irritable bowel or Crohn's and colitis or et cetera. It's massive. And so we really nailed it. And, and you know, it was so much fun because we weren't none of us came from that background. Fast forward, we won product of the year at the Canadian Health Food Association two years ago. Not too many people know that, but that was kind of like the validation. And since then, we've just exploded coast to coast. Uh, we're in, I think, 1,800 stores nationally. We're all in all the majors. We get emails from patients Wonderful. every week, Sylvain, telling us how it's changed their life, um, how it is sustaining their life. And I mean that sincerely and not with um, arrogance or anything that – that whether it's someone's grandfather or whether it's someone's child going through GI issues, it's a game changer. And I must say, when I travel the country now, when I go in and I see Sperry on the shelf and Goodleaf on the shelf, two really disruptive brands, um, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, it's a great discussion. What I wanted to do is take a step 
uh, not step back, but step sideways and explore the idea of you as an entrepreneur and what's made you serially successful. And, and we're touching on a little bit of that. You know, we talked to a lot of entrepreneurs. Some are more successful than others in their food ideas. If, you know, if you were, if you were, if your office is open and you're giving advice, what are the one or two or three things that you could kind of distill down and say, listen, if you, if you want to be successful, uh, in this line of work, and we'll narrow that focus down to agriculture or food or anything. What, what are those key success factors yeah. that that really kind of you need you'd, you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I'm always a little nervous giving advice sometimes like that and being prescriptive. Uh, you know, it, entrepreneurship is such a personal thing. It, it's it's. Um, but what I've learned through four decades and lots of startups and lots of scar tissue is a couple of key things and. One thing that I think I'm I'm not good at a lot, but one thing I think I tend to be okay at is business design. So mm. what I do is I identify an opportunity. And so I, I've had the luxury of going into any industry and doing okay. Um, I'm not into the I'm not into software. I'm not a software person, as you probably realize at the start of the show. Um, uh, but, you know, there's a couple of key fundamentals. And, and if you look at Goodleaf, why it's thriving is we designed it to be fundamentally sound. And I know that sounds simple, but yet it, mm. we didn't allow ourselves to be intoxicated by what the Americans were doing with AI and machine learning. And at the end of the day, we had something in our office in Truro that we talked about every day that when we designed Guelph Sylvain, it was, uh, you know, we, we got to grow it, we got to pack it, and we got to ship it, and we got to sell it. And I know that seems elementary, but it leads me to the but that's other. that's the business. That's yeah. the business. And you got to be just, you know, it's the blocking and tackling, I call it. And, mm. and, and if you, but the one thing that I'm really consistently drive home to anybody is simplicity. And I'm, I'm not a, I'm, uh, I'm a classic ADHD guy, by the way. I mean, I, if you, <laughs> if you went under the definition in the dictionary, you'd see a picture of my ugly mug there. Um, but it, it, it's true. So the the most profound book that I've ever, and I only recommend one book to people, and it's called Simplicity by is by a professor at the Rhode Island School of Art and Design. Mm. But if you think about it in design thinking for businesses and products and brand, it applies to no matter what you do, uh, no matter what what product or, or startup you're doing. If you root yourself in, supli- in simplicity, you'll find success. But really, it's about business design. We've we've created a way to identify an opportunity, to create a prototype, to test it, to calibrate, test, calibrate, and launch. And that's what we did with Goodleaf, and that's what we're doing with Novagevity. But the last pig piece that applies to anything I've ever done is perseverance. Mm. I'm just uh, stubborn enough to just not quit. Let me, let, <laughs> let me follow one thread on that a little bit, because you talk about business design, and I think maybe it's a culture or the thinking around you know, minimum viable product, the MVP approach, the move fast and break things. Uh, it doesn't sound like you, uh, you sound like you iterate, but iterate quickly. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that kind of idea that let's just get it half-assed done and then figure it out from there? What, well, you know, Michael, I struggle with a lot of the um, philosophies today in entrepreneurship and what's the advice given by the accelerators and the incubators. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, you know, everybody asks you for a MVP, and I think you have to. It's not too much different than a prototype, but sure. it's your ability to test and iterate and take that information and and recalibrate. 
um, that then moves you beyond the realm of a minimal viable product. And that is, the, the I think, the key secret to success is how you go about that. How do you finance it? Don't over, don't get over your skis. And what I mean by that is too many people try to go from A to W sure. without going from A to B to C. And and I think if you looked, and I think that that's Sylvain, Michael, that's our maritime culture too, right? And sometimes our maritime culture serves us well. I know it's often criticized because we don't think big and blah, blah, and that's true. But our conservative nature of good leaf and true leaf is why it's where we're at today and the same for Novagevity. So minimal viable product, yeah, but... But again, entrepreneurship and designing businesses is unique. It's not a one-size-fits-all. Mm. And I, I get concerned when we get too prescriptive with that and not allow yourselves to look to the right, look to the left. You know what I mean? You can get too, too tunneled. And then when you get too tunneled, I think, is when um, you mm. can fail. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's take a different uh, tact. Uh, let's talk about sustainability. You mentioned a couple of key factors that are driving you and the development of your product, um, you know, health and, and uh, let's talk about sustainability uh, and its role and how you think about uh, certainly in good leaf and, and true leaf, uh, there's a big element of that. But how does it on a day to day basis fuel your thinking? Yeah, yeah, I think but my ver- version of sustainability might be quite different than what people are used to. Um, yes, you know, obviously with True Leaf, that that's a that's that's now a sustainable model of growing food and distributing it, uh, and and friendly to the environment. My and with Novagevity, we're using really novel ingredients, you know, in our for our hemp protein that's sustainable. We're very clo- focused on clean ingredients. We use uh, algae oil for omega three, sustainably grown. Nova Scotia company, by the way. But my interest in in Good Leaf and Novagevity is sustainability of healthcare, and and see, there is no see, doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been speaking to this for twenty years. And if you go back and you know, there's lectures and talks I've given about the collapse of healthcare, and and I don't think people realize that we are in a state of collapse. And and so for me, my motivation. Look, my mother was a nurse. She impacted me more than anybody in my life. And she was always about good eating, health, and 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 you know, long, uh, being long, longevity. But when I looked at the health system, I said, if we don't do something, um, this this is very dire. Well, I think it's very dire right now. And COVID kind of peeled the the veil back, and and you know, so I don't think the general public realizes that we are in a really bad state here. And so for me, it was like, well. The best way to sustain human health in a healthcare system is nutrition. Seriously, I mean, yes, sleep, uh, yes, exercise, yes, don't you know, drink too much and smoke, and yes, yes, yes. But if we don't sustain our health systems, you're already seeing the needle and the damage done. You're seeing never in a point in time in the last thirty years has has our health been the worst, our education system's been the worst. The 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 um, pick your poison housing prosperity. I mean, uh, I am deeply worried, and I'm hearing it all the time that young people are looking and talking to me and going. And I have two daughters, the age of 23 and 25. One of them's you know in medical school, and and I'm worried about their ability to live here. So, well, how, where does this go back? Well, 99.9 percent. Um, Sylvan Michael of our health system is strictly reactive. It's like you get sick and you get bombarded with tests and treatment and, but none of it is about disease reversal and avoidance. So my passion is to marry social innovation and give 
financial stakeholders an above average return on investment. And if we can do Trulies and if we can do Novagevities, where we created with Novagevity a product that healthcare needs more than anything, and obviously I'm biased, but it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's effective and, 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 and simple. And if we don't do more of that, then we're going to continue down a path of no doctors, excessive wait times. Look, if, if COVID, I know a number of people that was diagnosed with cancer and could not get treatment. You know, so we all got to just take a good hard look at this, Michael, about sustainability and redefine it and organize investment, organize capital around having a sustainable healthcare system. And with that is Novagevity, with that is Trulief. Um, and that's my version of sustainability. So that, you know, if, 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 if our GDP 60, 65%, which is in the coming years, go to healthcare, we're, what's left to spend on on our province and society? Hmm. So, uh, Greg, how do you see uh, Novagevity grow over time? What's your yeah. vision for the company over the next, say, five to ten years from now? Well, Sylvain, we're hitting. You know, there's a lot of similarities between Trulief and and um, Novagevity. And you know, with Trulief, we'd really disrupted. We created a new way of farming in Canada, which I'm very proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very. And by the uh, way, Greg, uh, are you, do you have an update on uh, on what's going on in Montreal and Calgary? Are both uh, facilities uh, built now, or uh, are you keeping up with what's going on with Goodly? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I uh, it's, it's your it's your child. It's like well, I'm it's sure funny you're curious. You say that. It's funny you say that, Sylvain. Um, you know, when you do a startup, particularly as intense as truly, if it is your child, and you hand your child to new parents. And all I could say is you never think they do as good enough job as the original parents. <laughs> uh, but yeah. having said that, I've watched them take over the reins. I think McCain's underestimated the complexity. Um, it, it's the hardest thing you could possibly imagine. Um, but I understand I'm still a, a, you know, a decent-sized shareholder and obviously a, a cheerleader. Uh, so Van, uh, Calgary, I believe, is just ready to go. They're commissioning the facility now. Oh, that's great. Which is fantastic. Great. I think Montreal is shortly to follow. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, three large facilities um, in Canada that is going to displace an importation. And, you know, I have a I have a package of microgreens in my fridge from Goodleaf. I'm a big fan of the micro broccoli. But, um, you know, circling back around to your question, Sylvain, you know, Novagevity is deep in the sights of food as medicine. And if you look at food as medicine right now, this is really where we need to spend time. This is where Dalhousie, I think, really needs to look at it and Nova Scotia Health. So food as medicine is not just like, okay, uh, Michael, go eat a salad. Um, it's becoming a very well-defined initiative and movement in the United States. I was at a food as medicine conference in Chicago in May And when you start to see the Kroger's and the White House and big insurance companies get behind it, and what food as medicine is, is two things. One is the social. So it's whether, irregardless of your income level, if you have diabetes, you are able to participate in a program of meals to help you with your diabetes. The other half is what we're doing, Sylvain, and that's creating novel medical nutrition companies with products that, so our first product is for digestion. We're about to launch a blockbuster product for glucose and metabolic control. That's very cool. And so all of a sudden, to answer your end game, you know, I think we're going into the United States next year. We've expanded in Canada very fast. We're just closing around the capital now. 
Um, it's very difficult out there, by the way, with, for any startups. I, I yeah, that's I, what we heard. Yeah, uh, it's it's brutal. Um, thankfully, we seem to have something people are interested in. I tip my hat to any entrepreneur right now. It's 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 one thing to start a company and a product. It's another thing to do it during during COVID, during inflation, during supply chain. Um, you know, this is just abnormal. So, but we're going into the U.S. next year. Our plan is to raise another very large capital U.S. based. Um, our plan is to get a beachhead in Boston, and our plan is to be acquired in three to five years. That's that's cool. Um, two last questions. So, how many products do you have right currently in your portfolio, and how do you uh, how do you get inspired? Like, how do you get ideas to inspire your new products like uh yeah. what's your what's your day-to-day research life you know what um i'm curious and and i'm i and so in my life and my mother kind of inspired that and um so i'm very curious and when i see something i'm curious in, i really get fixated on it and it started like as i said earlier gentlemen with the picture of a vertical farm out of japan where the japanese created it and so when it came to food as medicine and novagevity, I I don't, you know, as a typical ADHD person, I've got 100 books and none of them finished. Um, <laughs> but I scan and when I get fixated on something, I, I have about 30 or 40 websites I read every morning. Um, it's a quick scan, but it's 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 information, calibrate, information, calibrate. But really fundamentally, when I started my few of my businesses years ago, I didn't realize I was a social entrepreneur. Back in my day, they didn't use the word entrepreneur. Uh, but I've noticed my last few businesses, I'm very, very, I want to contribute to society and I want to give investors an above average return on investment. And when you marry those two, you have significant passion and you have significant results. It's not easy. It's There's a lot of ways you can take shortcuts. But that's really my inspiration. Um, ideas come from travel. I love conferences. I love traveling like you, you both do. And, and, um, you know, I've, I've got ideas for a number of other things right now. My wife is trying to keep me, uh, settle down a little bit. And, um, <laughs> we have a, we, we bought a, I have a farm here about 10 minutes away in Crosstown. We'll, uh, we'll make sure your wife listens to the, this podcast. Please do. And, 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 and plug, a, plug a few good words, boys. Uh, uh, honestly, uh, no, but you know what? It, it, I, look, if you look at Nova Scotia, I want my kids to stay here. I want the young folks to stay here. But we're all going to have to think about how we're going to do this uh, responsibly. Um, I, I live down here in rural Nova Scotia. And as you can probably appreciate, there's some significant health care challenges in rural Nova Scotia, but also economically. Yep. And, you know, that inspires me day to day. And I've been fortunate enough to learn a lot, to, you know, make a little money to 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 experiment. It's our premier interview for the season. I couldn't think of a better guest. Uh, you're touching on so, so many issues. Uh, really fascinating. Now, last, uh, super last question. Where can we go to learn more about the company? Are you a LinkedIn person to get in touch? Uh, where's your, I, a quick scan shows your uh, products. Barry is available at uh, many places across the country, but uh, give us some 411 about how to get in touch and keep up with what you're working on. Yeah. Well, I'm not a, I, as you probably probably noticed, I'm not much of a social media guy. I have a LinkedIn. Uh, I, you know, I know enough to be dangerous. Uh, our products are uh, <laughs> you know, uh, through Sobeys, uh, Loblaws, Metro, uh, Lawton's is a great partner. London Drugs. I, I, I see a London Drugs. And I tip my hat to Lawton's and Sobeys. They took a flyer on us at the very early days because we were local and I give them a lot of credit for that. 
Uh, yeah, LinkedIn is uh, is kind of basically where I, uh, I I I don't really you know use it too much, but um, I kind of you know keep under the radar, and I find that that's probably the best way to go. I guess we need to apologize in advance then, because you're not going to be under the radar with our listeners, and uh, our listeners are yeah. pretty keen on this stuff. So once again, thanks for joining us on the Food Professor Podcast. Real treat to uh, hear your story yeah. and get to know. And and uh, like I said, I couldn't imagine a a better first interview to kick off season four. So thanks again. Thank you both sincerely. Thanks, Greg. Now, uh, I meant to ask you, uh, where are you right now? I'm seeing uh, you're in a, in a hotel room. I was in Vegas last week. Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Montreal. Unfortunately, I don't go. I, I'm not an international. I'm I'm not an international season <laughs> traveler as you are. In fact, I well, actually, I'm saying that. But next week, I'm probably going to be recording from Texas. Okay. So, <laughs> but uh, but Texas is not Las Vegas, or it's not uh, Florida, or it's Texas. not. Texas. You were in Europe. Anyways, I, I don't I love, travel I love as much Texas, as you. By do. the way, I love. I mean, I, I am. Oh, do you? Yeah, I love Texas. Oh, I love the there people. You go. I, love, I love the food. I'll, I'll, I'll have my uh, steak for breakfast in your honor. <laughs> Very good. Um, <laughs> but but uh, I'm in Montreal basically, and I'm in a couple of hours. I'll be speaking to um, to uh, a union called the FTQ, and uh, so there's uh, there are several people interested in AI and mm-hmm. uh, and robotics. Obviously, we've seen over the summer that, that there were many, many labor disputes, uh, and uh, some of them were motivated by the fear of AI. Sure. The writer's and, strike that just got resolved. Yeah, uh, the writer's strike is certainly AI. one example. Yeah. So, yeah, so we'll be talking about... So it's actually... So I'm going to be talking about for about 20 minutes, and there'll be a and a with them. Uh, it's going to be... It's, gonna, it's a very private uh, meeting uh, with about 100 people. It's not. It's very small. Yeah, it's not... A, I'm, I'm I'm uh, I'm the opposite of that. Next week, I've uh, Retail Council of Canada is having a retail sustainability conference. Yes, I saw that. Grown and grown and grown. I mean, there's going to be five, six hundred people there. Galen Weston actually is opening uh, the. That's awesome. The conference. Uh, it was great to get uh, Galen on, and then I follow up with a, a panel interview with the president or uh, CEO of uh, the LCBO, Big Ontario. Uh, winery and uh, liquor yep. company, very progressive. And, it's a good uh, thing that Galen get, goes out and talks to people, and I think it'll be good for him. It will be good for his brand, the company. Uh, I think that he, he needs to do those kinds of things, I think, uh, to actually connect with the people in the industry. Yeah, I've a- I actually saw him in Vancouver at a, at a big uh, international event back pre-COVID, and it's just about global sustainability and the environment, right? So that's what he's talking about. And right. so, so I've got the uh, CEO from the LCBO and the, and the president, Canadian CEO from Procter & Gamble. So we're talking about leadership right. and culture more than the kind of day-to-day uh, moving parts. So uh, super looking forward to that. Uh, and then I'm off in Vancouver and a bunch of other places. We can talk about that uh, later as I you know take my keynotes on the road. But listen... Let's talk about one of my favorite foods. In fact, I made it last night for my mother. Not, not sardines again. Craft dinner. I made <gasps> craft dinner. Uh, so what I do for my mom. and then Katie. We're about, what we're talking about, Katie. Now, I, now, truth be told, I'm still using the cases of it I bought at the beginning of COVID when I was a little worried about food supply. <laughs> <laughs> Giant cases. So by the way, the best before date was 20. 21 and it's still delicious uh so enjoying that but i I made some ribs on the on the uh on the smoker and then i put i make rib oh my god mac and cheese for my mom so katie getting a refresh can i be uh, your mom can i be like (laughs) pretty good actually you Um, delivered to halifax 
Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, so yeah. Katie's getting a brand refresh or whatever a brand refresh looks like in the CPG world. Look the same to me. I mean, the letters were something different, but um, yeah. you know, what I thought was super interesting about it, and I think this is a bit controversial. I know it's meant as a kind of a lark, but given where restaurants are today fighting for their lives, they're launching cancel coverage, a special fund designed to cover restaurant reservation cancellation fees the, for the first 500 people who upload their cancellation fee receipt from a booked restaurant dinner, they will get a partial reimbursement, up to $25 from Kraft Dinner. In other words, stay at home, eat Kraft Dinner, don't go to a restaurant. <laughs> I, you know, what? It, what's that phrase? That seems a little tone deaf to me. Seems fun in conce- concept, but uh, maybe. A little, yeah. The box yeah. itself was one thing, and I, I, I it, that, that particular uh contest if you want to call it that way uh caught my attention too i i, I don't know like i, I i'm not I sure uh craft heinz scored points here uh, well they got 50 million views on tiktok so i'm gonna i'm gonna notch that as a, a did they a, yeah. i did not know that i'm gonna knock that one as as a big win that's gonna make that's a win that's tiktok yeah so katie just got its tiktok moment I wanted if to. If you end, get your TikTok moment, yeah. you can become president of the United States, like tomorrow. Yeah, I've, I, oh, I yeah. guess I've had seven hundred thousand views on one of my food TikToks. That's as high as I've got. The rest are. I haven't wow! Hit, haven't hit a million yet. I, I wanted to end on a fun note. Talk about creativity in the restaurant business. Now, this came to me via social media. It turned out when I did some digging, it wasn't a new thing. It came up early from a restaurant in Toronto, early in the in the pandemic i thought it was brilliant because i also thought it it mirrored something you and i have been advocating for the restaurant association to ask the government for so this restaurant came up with the idea of renaming all of their foods as if they were office supplies so you didn't know you didn't order a burger you ordered a printer and you didn't order a sandwich you ordered a uh, a, a pencil <laughs> sharpener so that you could expense it Right? So you could expense <laughs> exactly. it. And you and I have been saying for years, literally for years, I don't understand yeah. why, why, why the Restaurant Association doesn't ask the government to go back to 100% write-offs on business center, on business dining. Oh, my god! right now it's 50%. So Easy lo peasy. Lo and behold, they've asked for that. And uh, they've asked for some other things. But uh, anyway, so great to see they're taking our advice. Uh, you know, there you go. Yes. Thank you. Well, uh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> the check I'm sure is in the mail for our consulting fees. Uh, for of course. That. Anyway, we Absolutely. are very happy to have come up with any ideas and have any guests that help our friends in the restaurant sector because we love them. A At lot the end of the day, taxes are bad for the economy. Let's let's face it. Well, taxes somebody's got yeah, you know, somebody's got to pay for the roads and healthcare and all that stuff. It's just the right blend of taxes, right? I, I don't mind paying taxes. I, I, I pay my income tax. I'm glad. I'm 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 happy to pay my income tax. It's great. I like the GST. I like the I even like the GST, so it's not hidden in the manufacturing costs. If you remember the battle. But right now, my my feeling in the Western world is that uh, we seem to be taxing everything to death. I mean, we're taxing sugar. We're taxing this we're taxing that there's talks about taxing meat now i mean can we just take a step back here and you know assess this a little bit <laughs> you know well it's a very taxing issue back <laughs> back to the puns all right well it was a great episode and uh, listen for you who are listening out there thank you for tuning back in our numbers from our first uh, season premiere are fantastic so welcome back yes welcome back it's great Thank you for sharing, uh, and please do share with anyone in the grocery food service or restaurant industry. I'm Michael LeBlanc. 
uh, consumer growth consultant, keynote speaker, and podcaster. And you are? And you're a good cook, Michael. Don't forget about that. Don't forget about that. And I'm his sidekick, the food professor, Sylvain Chalabois. Uh, well, Sylvain, safe travels back home, and I look forward to speaking with you next week. More great guests to come, and uh, we can't even predict what the next piece of news is going to be. So uh, exactly. it'll, be fun. it'll be fun. All right. Take care.